Uh, but I want to talk, I want to get into a new series. As we had spoke about the other week, we kind of had a prequel, and it was called The Overlook. And we talked about can't see the forest from the trees, and then we also talked about the obvious. And what was the obvious thing picture that I pulled up? Excuse me, does anybody remember? wet floor sign in the ocean things that seem to be so obvious that don't really need to be said but the reality is is that Jesus said those things and so there was a lot of things that we'll see in scripture but I kind of want to reference this as we can see that this looks what is this a picture of a puzzle so so when we how many of us have done puzzles before right some, some of us enjoy to do them and some of us don't enjoy to do them. Me, my patience is I'm going to try to do a couple pieces and that's about the, the, the reality of where we are. So a lot of this message is going to be based off of how puzzles work. And, and, and I, I don't know where this came from, came from other than God just spoke this to my spirit. And I'll just be real honest with you, several, several months ago. So I just put it on my list as a series about some of the things that God wants to speak about. So and oftentimes we, we, have, we, we take the box. If I had one right now, if I had, a, I probably should have brought one out to kind of use as a stage to stage it with. But the reality is, is when we take out the box and we look at it, it shows us what? It shows us what the final product is supposed to look like. But when we get to putting, breaking out all the pieces and we begin to, to separate them and, and do different things and creating the borders and things of that nature, it, it takes us a while before we can see the bigger picture, right? But we know what it's supposed to look like. But oftentimes we all, all through that laboring process of sitting there for hours, I mean like hours on end, trying to put a puzzle together. What's the biggest puzzle that anybody's ever done? A thousand pieces. That's a lot of pieces. Yeah. And I think 500 is a lot. I think I, 100 is a lot. Well, so, so I mean, I, but see, the reality is, is, is the more pieces that there is, it seems like to be a better picture that it is. Because when we start to get into some of the more colorful pictures and the more detailed aspect of it, you got more pieces to the puzzle. And each one of us like to put different puzzles together me I'm a simple man so I want I want a simple puzzle but the reality is is that we don't know which puzzle God has given us I'm saying it again we don't know which puzzle that God's given us but what I want to do here is I want to create an outline for you of what God wants to do in your life um so that's kind of the essence of, of where we want to go in on that. So, so we're talking about a bigger picture, but as you always know, I always have a subtitle for each message when I'm doing a series. And the subtitle for this message is, uh, I don't think I put it in there, but it's called this, Beginning with the End in Mind. 
beginning with the end in mind because when we begin the puzzle what are we doing we're referencing the box picture of what it's supposed to look like and that in our mind we're seeing okay this is what it's supposed to look like so we begin with knowing what it's supposed to end like so so when we begin our walk with God when we begin that relationship with God when we move into what what we preached on last week was called what birthing God's Word. And I know it was a Mother's Day and I'm still very grateful for the mothers that we have not only here but all across the world because if it wasn't for mothers I mean it just honestly you know there wouldn't be us just like fathers. If it wasn't for fathers we wouldn't be here neither. But, but without getting into too much detail on that uh, we talked about you know us being a carrier of God's Word makes us become a mother. Because we're carrying some, we've become pregnant, if we could say, we've become pregnant with His Word. And there's a process, and then we have to go through that in nine months. I think y'all made that real clear for me last week, because I was on the toss-up of 40 weeks, and, and I wasn't for sure. So everybody brought clarity to me, hey, Pastor, it's, it's, it's nine months. That's what your 40 weeks is. So for all my mathematicians out there, good for you. I need some math classes at the end of service today. Um, but the thing is, is, is we're, we're birthing something and we don't always see what the bigger picture is. You know, we have a glimpse uh, and I don't want to go too far into detail. We have a glimpse sometimes about what God has called us to do. But when we begin to, to look at it, we, we don't see all the in-betweens, all the in-betweens. So I got a flagship verse that I'm going to start here with and we'll probably open each one out. With it, see, yeah, I did have a subtitle up there. That's my bad. I don't know why it's not showing here, but thank you for that. So, beginning with the end in mind. So, as we go to our very first verse that we're going to start with, a verse that we're probably all familiar with at least one point or another, and if we haven't, then we need to become familiar with this. So, Jeremiah 29 and 11 it says, For I know the plan so, with an S plans. Did we notice that? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are a plan for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, how many people would say, man, I'm going to prophesy that word right there over my life? Because this is God. You've got great things for me. Your plan for me is for good and not for harm. And, and and we would man we would want that we would we would want that why because that 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 that's it that's good for me it, it, that is good for me because in every way that prospers me that prospers me but before we move on let, let's let's just bless this. let's ask the Lord to bless this word and to be upon uh, this message here today let us pray dear Lord we just thank you Lord today Lord for your word we thank you Lord for your presence Lord here this morning but Lord I pray Lord that as we dive into your heart Lord this morning as we dive into your word follow Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes and open our ears Lord to see and to hear the everything that you want to speak to us today, Lord. Each one of us individually and each one of us, Lord, uh, corporately, Lord, speak to us on the level that you want to speak to us on. So, Lord, also we ask, Lord, that you would give us that heart, Lord, that heart to receive what you're speaking to us. 
So, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we ask that you bless not only your word, but, Lord, bless me, Lord, that I would speak the oracles, Lord, as you have given it to me. So I just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so most of us have heard this verse before, and like I said, if not, then it's a verse that we need to become familiar with. But, but here's, here's a token that I want to say to you. Uh, uh, how many of us have read the other verses on either side of this particular verse? And if not, I want us to look at it because we, we think about the, all the good promises that God has for us. But as we move to our next slide, we're going to read verses 4 through 14. Well, that's a lot, Pastor. It's okay. Buckle up. You came to church for a reason. So verses 4, it says, This is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that, that you may have many grandkids. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and the prosperity for the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for it is welfare, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Verse 8. He said, this is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again. Verse 11 that we had just read. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, and in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will... And uh, I will be found by you, says Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will, uh, I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you back to your own land. How many of us can say that we have missed this declaration? I mean, because we, because what? We found something that would be good for us. We found something that, that would fit us, but what we miss here is we missed a part where he says, hey, you're going to be captives for 70 years. You're going to be captive for 70 years in this place called Babylon because Babylon became such a, a great and powerful nation. So God said that you're going to be captive here. And why were they captive there? Because they refused to obey. They refused to obey. If anybody knows about Jeremiah, Jeremiah was known as the what? The weeping prophet. Because he was always weeping. Matter of fact, God even called him to begin to prophesy around the age of 14 and 15 years old. So how many of us will say, I'm a grown person, but yet a 14 or 15 year old is going to come and begin to prophesy over me and over my life uh, I don't want to hear you I don't want to hear what you got to say but yet for all these all these many years God kept saying the same thing through Jeremiah he kept saying them and eventually you know what happened 
the, the people looked at Jeremiah and here's what they said. We have heard you all along. But you know what? We've decided we're not going to do what you say. We're not going to do what thus saith the Lord. So what did the thus saith the Lord begin to speak to them? That you were going to be, that you were going to be taken over by Babylon. And because of this, now that you'll be exiled for 70 years, here's your punishment for not listening to what I had to say to you. So I, what I want to do here is, 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 is uh, but just like that, we can see here that God was showing them a bigger picture. Even though it may not have been what they wanted, God still laid it out for them to see and to hear. So what I want to do is, is I want to make this reflective in our life. I want this to be reflective in our life, the things that God is speaking to us, the things that God's been showing us. So I want to look at another set of particular verse, uh, you know, where God was speaking a beginning to the end. Now, this is in the book of Genesis, and it's 1 through 17. So, yes, I know it's a lot, but the reality is, is that if you see this with your own eyes for yourself, then you can't question what pastor is saying here. You can't question what thus say James. You, 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 you can't question what thus saith the Lord. So here's what the Lord had to speak in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. Let us read this together. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and I will and your reward will be great. Here's where he says that I will be your shield and your exceedingly great reward. I will be your shield. I will protect you and I will reward you. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son since you're giving me no children? Uh, uh, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Verse 3, you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you, have, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Let's just stop for a second before we move on to the next part. Is, is what, was, what was God speaking here? He said, look up in the sky and count the stars if you can. Now, now Abraham, it's not that Abraham was barren. It's just that his wife Sarah was barren and couldn't have kids. But yet God was calling him and telling him that this is what your descendants was going to be like. And see, and the reality is, is that, that God has given us a picture because what did he just simply do here for Abraham? Was he, well, he was called Abram. Then he gave him a picture of what he was going to look like. But even though he stood there and he saw it, would that not be hard to imagine that God says that I was going to be like this, but reality says I'm here. Reality says I don't have a church building. Reality says I don't have people follow me. Reality says that we don't have a worship team. Reality says this and that and the other. But the truth is, is what does thus saith the Lord? 
what does the Lord, what has the Lord been speaking to me in prayer? What has the Lord been speaking to you in prayer? The bigger picture that we've been failing to see because we've allowed our circumstance to dictate who God is in our life. What, what, are, what are we hearing versus what we are seeing? Let's continue on here to verse 6, the next slide. And it said, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted in him his righteousness because of his faith. Let's just stop. I know you want to keep reading, but give me attention here for just a moment. We, we'll, we'll keep reading this together in a minute. But it said, He believed. He, I believe what God spoke to me. So, and it was counted to him as what? As righteousness. So that tells me that we cannot be walking in righteousness if we're not believing what God is speaking to us about our life, the things that He's been showing us. And if we're not believing Him for that, then we're considered to be unrighteous. Unrighteous. I want us to get this into not our thick skulls, but I want this to get into our hardened hearts. Because our hearts have become so hardened against God. You know, and God wants a soft heart that He can work with. It becomes malleable if it's soft, right? When you take something, when you take clay and they place it on the potter's wheel, is it hard when they begin to shape it? It's soft. And you know what else? It has to be done. That clay has to be at the center of the wheel to be shaped into what it's supposed to be. Because if it's not in the center of the wheel, then what happens? If your tire is not balanced, well, what happens? It wobbles. you got to wobble. And that wobbling is going to cause that, that clay not to be shaped and formed into what it's supposed to be. So we got to be in the center of God's wheel. Verse 7. It said, Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the uh, Chattalings, uh, uh, excuse me on that one, <laughs> to give you this land as your possession. So if we stop for just a second, we see here that Abram was a part of a pagan nation. He was part of a pagan nation and he didn't even, there was no worship of God. There was no worship of God whatsoever. It was a God of something else. It wasn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't the God that created the heavens and the earth. It was another God that, that he was caught up into and God called him away from that. God called him away from that. Uh, verse 8 and said, But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. Uh, he did not, however, cut the bird in half. Verse 11. Some vultures uh, swooped down to eat the carcass, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. Verse 15, next slide. 
As for you, you will not die and you will not die. Excuse me. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. Abraham lived to be 175 years old, just so you know. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. For the sins of the Amorites did not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and the darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking uh, fire pot and flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. And there was his sign that the covenant, that the promise would be fulfilled because he asked the Lord for a sign. Because in the division that, that God would, he would pass through the middle, that he would be in the middle of the situation so so did we did we not just see what abraham well i'm sorry what god had told abram what did he tell abram not only did he say that your descendants would be like the stars and the sand on the shore why do you think god spoke to him that way why, why do we think that god showed him the sky because god speaks to you where you are god speaks to you where you are and so where was he at? He was out in the middle of nowhere. He wasn't living in a town where there was a bunch of lights and it would be hard to see the sky where there would have been uh, bricks all over the place and walking on the ground. It was sand and it was the stars and that's what became visible to him. So God will speak to you where you are, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, God to speak to us in that situation. But God also spoke to him and he told him this. So not only will you will you have this many descendants that's unnumerable if we could just really look at it that way, then he said that your descendants will be enslaved for four hundred years. Does that sound like a good promise to you? No. <laughs> but see what's happening here is God was beginning to show him the bigger picture. But yet it wasn't seen at that time and it was hard to receive. So so let, let me read some of my notes here. So so um um so God created Abram in the context of Abram's plan versus God's plan. And we've talked about this a little bit in marriage counseling or premarital counseling. Uh, if if I'm working on this set of plans and you're working off of this set of plans, then we're not building the same thing, right? So here's the reality is, is why does God's plans, listen to me now, why does God's plans and our plans look so differently? Why does our plans and God's plans look so differently? It's because we're not on the same page with Him. And, and I'm just being truthful here. There's been many times in my life that I've been in that same scenario. And what I'm speaking here is I'm not just speaking to the people that are sitting here today, but the people that are viewing us online, uh, the people that may be listening to us via podcast as well, is that is that we're not on the same page with God. We're trying to build something different than He is. So, so here's what we saw God do for Abraham is God created Abraham in the context of Abraham's plans versus God. God's plans. Abram's plans were to live out the remainder of his life and leave his servant Eliezer of Damascus as his heir. Abram's plans seemed to be simple, right? It just seemed to be so simple. And, now, and this can be the reality of all of us where our plans are. And I want you to listen to this. He already had the riches. We want all of us want to have money. We don't ever want to be lacking anything. Uh, we have a wife. Okay, 
I, you know, I want a wife. You know, that's a desire. This part of my plan. Uh, I have servants. I got people that serve me. I'm gonna have me a butler one day. Y'all just wait. I'm just kidding. And then he had a lavish lifestyle because he was very wealthy. Abram was a very wealthy man. But uh, as he lacked for nothing except for a desire for a son, an heir that he could bestow all that God had blessed him with, a desire to pass the blessing of a legacy to one that would be the fruit of his loins. How many of us fall into this same scenario of having that same plan that Abram had? Because I'm just going to be real honest with you. It didn't sound like a bad plan, to be honest with you. Oh, well, Lord, just give, you know, why don't you just give me a son, too? You know, I'm not, I'm not asking, you know, that, 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 uh, that, that will rule nations. I'm not asking, Lord, I'm just asking you for something so simple. So simple. Um, so, it, and it's okay to be honest with that because it just sounds to be good. Um, but we just like Abram was willing to settle for the ordinary instead of the extraordinary. How many times have we been able? Are we willing to settle for ordinary instead of extraordinary or extraordinary? I know that becomes a conjunction word, and, and it and it makes one word. But the reality is that you begin to break it up. <coughs> extra is is more than there's more to it it's more to it than the ordinary so last week we we preached a mother's day message about birthing god's word and uh and we were about to see this unfold throughout the life of a man once named abram a man that had no idea that god was about to expand not only his territory but his legacy See, so we got we got to think we got to think more than just expanding our territory, because when we're leaving a legacy, a legacy isn't money that we leave our kids. A legacy isn't something that we leave our kids that's considered as money. Now, man would consider that money. Let's just leave our kids some wealth. What can I leave my kids when I leave? But the reality is, is there's no better thing that you can leave your kids than other than them seeing you on your knees. Excuse me. Than them seeing you cry out to God, seeing you read your Bible. That's the legacy that they're going to always remember. Because why? Because the money is going to run out. But the memories are not going to run out. The memories is what you're going to feed off of after the money's gone. So, so I'm sorry, baby. I don't have no money to leave you when daddy's dead and gone. But what you are going to have is you're going to have a forever memory of seeing, of seeing that your dad walk in what God has called him to walk in. The same for each one of us here is that what are we leaving for those that are behind? What are they seeing? What do they remember? And if the Lord's willing, yeah, baby, I'll try to leave you some money. I just ain't got none right now because I done gave it all to you and your mama. <laughs> that was funny. Ding. No. Don't quit my day job, right? And that's fine. So, so, uh, so even in this word that God gave Abram, God had told him that his descendants would be oppressed for 400 years in a land that was foreign to him. So let's expound a little about what God was sending, uh, about God sending us to places that is strange to us. So when we go to somewhere that's strange and foreign, what does that mean? It puts us in a place of inconvenience and it puts us in a place of uncomfortableness. Can we agree with that? 
when God is sending us somewhere. So, so, so what is so the calling on my life to to be a pastor and to start a church has caused it to be an inconvenience for me. So, if if our calling is not inconveniencing us, then we really got to question: Has God called us to that? Has God called us to that? So if we're not being inconvenienced and if it doesn't make our flesh feel uncomfortable, then we got to question the calling. We got to question if we really heard God on that. So how in the world could this be a promise uh, as we continue to read uh, in chapter 17 verses 1 through 7? We're going to just talk for just a, for, for, for just a moment. Because I know we've been talking about Abraham a lot over the past couple of weeks. So in verse 1 here of chapter 17, it says, When God was, whew, excuse me, Lord, when Abram was 99 years old, here was the promise. Because now, we, now if we just stop for a second, we're going to read these verses here together. So your attention is, is, is with what the Lord is saying here, even though the Lord is speaking this through the word. But the reality here is that God had promised him the star uh, as the descendants would be like the stars and like the sand, right? And that he would have a son. So, so here we have again that God is speaking not only this promise, but another part of the plan. Another part of the plan. So in verse 1 we'll read together. It said, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Now God was calling him to consecration, right? He was calling him to a holy lifestyle, way of living. So that, that tells us right up front before we can continue to move on into part of God's plan is that we got to recognize God for who He is and walk accordingly. It's alright, I'll say amen all by myself. <laughs> and serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Verse 2, and it said, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee, guarantee to give you countless descendants. Here again, God's speaking to him two chapters later about countless descendants. Verse 3, and it said, At this, Abram fell down to the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. I will no longer, uh, it will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations. And here we go. Here's another part of the plan that God is revealing. And kings will be among them I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation this is an everlasting covenant I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you so as we as we see that that the further in detail the further in detail so so after God now, now the very next thing that God after he told them that they would be captive for 400 years and now he's now he's telling them they're going to be kings this just this just seems to be what uh, an oxymoron does anybody know what an oxymoron is okay we'll look it up later <laughs> that was good. Y'all got to give me one on that one. But it, it's, it's saying something but meaning another. 
it, 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 you're saying something, but it just really, it's like the two words don't coexist. What you're telling me contradicts. In other words, you're speaking out of this side of your mouth, but now you're speaking out on this side of your mouth. You're telling me two different things, and, and I don't know what to believe because I'm not understanding what you're telling me here. But the reality is, is Abraham couldn't see the bigger picture. Abraham wasn't seeing the big, bigger picture, but he was accepting and receiving what the Lord was telling him. So the question that I have for you is as we're facing things in our life, as, as things are happening and we don't understand why certain things are unfolding the way that they're unfolding, but the thing is, is it's part of God's plan. And we don't always see the bigger picture, but what I want us to do is I want to talk about what we said this morning, is I we be still and know that He is God. We just sit back, we escape from the situations, and we just move our mindset and we move our heart from all of the things that's going on around us and we just sit back and we watch what God's doing. How I've been watching God for the past four and a half years and how what He's been doing and what He's been developing in me because when I gave my heart back to God, uh, everybody knows already by now that I'm either hot or I'm cold. I'm never going to be lukewarm when it comes to a relationship with God. If I'm going to hell, I'm going to go to hell wide open. If I'm going to go to heaven, if I'm going to serve the Lord, then I'm going to serve Him with everything that I got. And I sat back and I watched it as I rededicated my life back to God four and a half years ago. He said, okay, son, well, you know, I've still called you to preach. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I, just, I don't have nowhere to preach. We're not part of a church. We, you know, we've been away from church for so long. And, 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 and I don't even remember how to preach anymore. I don't remember how to teach a word. I don't remember half of the scripture that I could use to quote by heart and tell you where they are. And, but you know what? God had a plan. God had a plan. And after, after I began to walk in obedience, to begin to preach, because preaching wasn't always standing behind a pulpit. Excuse me, we get that misconstrued and thinking that, hey, I'm, I've got to have a platform. I've got to have somewhere that I can preach from. And that isn't the reason why we started this church. That isn't the reason we, that was out of obedience. It was part of this birthing process. It was part of God's plan. And, and just watching how God has unfolded things. So, so even three years ago, I thought it was I was supposed to start the church then. So we had we hosted something here on a Saturday. And, and then I'm going to be real honest with you. There was about 25 head that showed up that day. And I'm sitting here thinking, I was like, okay, Lord, this is you. Because it's moving forward. We're, we're going into what you've called me to do. And then guess what happened? COVID broke out. COVID broke out in America like the next week or two. And then, okay, so James is right back to, to, to something that, that God was telling me to do. And I'm sitting back and I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Nobody wants to come to church because they're, they're scared of COVID, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and it just goes on and on and on. But the reality is, is, as the Lord told me to begin to get things in order and to begin to pray about things and begin to, to work myself into what He's called me to do, to listen for His timing on this. And so, so, so we're looking... So, so what I want to do is I want to get on a transition to the next part of this message. And, and, and I want to ex try to explain very briefly, if I can, was, was how did the children of Israel, or the, how did Abraham's descendants, because by this time, he had already had Isaac. And we all know that uh, if we don't remember, God told him to sacrifice Isaac. 
And so why would God ask him to sacrifice the very thing that would be the beginning of that promise? God wanted to see where his heart is. Are you, are you willing to be obedient to me or is, or is what I've spoken to you become more important? So am I going to put my relationship on the line versus this ministry? Am I, is my walk with God more important than me having this church? It, what's more important to me? Because you know what I'll do? I'll place salt and light ministry on the altar and I'll sacrifice it before I let my walk with God dwindle, before I let that, that escape. So, so, so we saw that that happened, and then Isaac had Jacob, and, and then Jacob. Jacob had kids, right? So Jacob had 12 sons. Do we not remember? Because if we don't remember, then let me just refresh in your memory here. This is where the 12 tribes got their names from, is from Jacob's 12 sons. So, so as we move on into that, what happened to, to, to Joseph? Because Joseph had a dream, right? He had a dream that, that, his, that his parents and that his brothers were going to bow down and worship him. But how is this ever going to happen? So they thought that he was just being arrogant. And so what did they do? Was they sold him into slavery. Does anybody remember that? Yeah. Joseph was sold into slavery. And so where was Joseph taken to? Joseph was taken to Egypt, right? A land that, that the descendants had not been from, had not ever been to. So it became a foreign land. So what I want to do here is, is I want to pick up with Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1 verses 6 through 14. You ready for this? Let's do it. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died. Ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they had become extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came into power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And we'll talk about Joseph a little bit more next week. So verse 9, he said to the people, he said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. Verse 10, next slide. We must make a plan. Let's stop here for a second. Man's got a plan. Man's got a plan, but God has plans. We saw that in Jeremiah 29 11. God has plans, but he said, let's make a plan. He, he thought that there was one way to take care of this, but God has different ways of taking care of it. God has different ways of bringing our heart back to where we're supposed to be. Let me keep on here. Uh, he said, we must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Ramesses and supply centers for the kings. Verse 12, next slide. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread and, and more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked their people 
of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forced them to mix mortar and to make bricks and to do all the work in the field. They were ruthless in their demands. So we can we can see how they became captive, right? And they became captive in a foreign land, but yet this was part of God's plan. But nobody was seeing the bigger picture here, Lord. I don't understand why this is happening in my life. I don't understand why I don't have my license back by now. I don't understand why I can't get a promotion at work. I don't, I don't understand why people ridicule me. But you know what? God's plans. But God's plans. God has a plan for your life. And every bit of that plan, see, even though this plan seemed to be ruthless, even though this plan seemed to be harmful, but Jeremiah spoke and he said, he said, but for God's plans for you are to prosper you. But it seems like they're being harmed, right? But God has a plan for you. His plan is so much greater than the reality of what you're seeing here. So, so if we fast forward through time, we can, we can uh, in time when God had sent Moses back to Egypt to free the Israelites from the bondage of sin. So, so uh, I'm sorry, from the bondage of slavery, and it still really is the bondage of sin. Um, where God was sending the, where was God sending the the Hebrew people when when Moses came back? Because because Moses was raised by Pharaoh's daughters, so when after he had killed the Egyptian soldier for for being brutal to the Hebrew people, and he escaped for forty years, and he left, and he met God where, at the burning bush, the burning bush, which was at Mount Sinai. He met God there, and because because. It had to be in God's timing. He had to be in the place where God was speaking from. So are we in a position where we're hearing God? Because if we're not hearing from God, then we got to say, are we in the right position? Are we in the right place? Are we at the place where God is speaking at? And God wants to speak to us all the time. So I want to ask you this question. Some of you may get it correct and some of you may not. Some of you maybe have already heard me say this, but, but for teaching experience, I don't want nobody to really answer the question. Is, is, here's this. Is where was God sending the Hebrew people once He was freeing them from Egypt? Where was He sending them to? A lot of people would say He's sending them to the promised land. God wasn't sending them to the promised land. Because if we, if we look on seven, seven different occasions where God spoke to Pharaoh through Moses, He said, let my people go. The first two times that it was mentioned is that God, God demanded their release. He said, let my people go that they may serve me or worship me in the wilderness. God was calling them to the wilderness. So it seems like... That, that God was multiplying them and then He was setting them free, but yet He was sending them to a wilderness. What would we consider the wilderness? The desert, right? What cannot be found there? You're not going to find too much life going on in the wilderness. It's dry. It's desolate. You become parched. You, they're, they're just, the rain happens. It's a place of uncomfortableness. As though, as though slavery for 400 years it wasn't uncomfortable enough. You see, but you know what the reality is? Is God was just warning them. 
He was wanting them. He was wanting to speak to them. But where did He speak to Moses at? Was at Mount Sinai. See, God wanted to introduce Himself to them as well. So they had to be, yeah, they had to put themselves in the right position as well so that they could meet God. And so, so, so just the term uh, of Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai is renowned as a principal place of divine revelation. Divine revelation is what Mount Sinai is referred to. So what, so what happened here was God revealed Himself to Moses, right? So He wanted to reveal Himself to the people. God wants us to visit Mount Sinai. He wants to, he wants to reveal Himself to us. See, and, and as we sit here, we can watch the bigger picture unfold before our eyes. We, we watch the promise that God had gave Abraham, right? He gave him a promise. And then we see that they become prisoners or slaves in a foreign land for over 400 years. And, and we're, not, we're, not seeing, we're not seeing everything take place, but what we're doing is we're seeing a process. We're seeing something take place here. We're seeing something take place here. So Psalms 139 verses 16 through 18. I want to read this to you. Here's what David spoke to the Lord. He said, Lord, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They out they outnumber the grains of sand. So I just want to I want to pick on uh, Kaylee and Richie here for just a minute. They're getting married in uh, less than two weeks, uh, and congratulations to them both. But Richie and Kaylee, think about the number of thoughts that you've had for each other. If we take if we take a cube box. We know what a cube box is. One foot by one foot by one foot, right? That would be a cubed box. You know how many grains of sand goes in one cube box? Around a billion. Do we think you've had a billion thoughts about each other? I don't even... I've been married for 20, almost 25 years. Mom's been married for 40 some years. Do we really think that we've calculated that many thoughts about the one that we love the most, right? But yet David said that your thoughts for me outnumber all the grains of sand. And these are the thoughts when we when we mean when you begin to translate translate the word thoughts, it also means plans. It also means blueprints. The plans that God has for us outnumbers that. But yet, our finite mind, we're thinking about, oh, it's just, it's just some sand. But God's thoughts for us, His plans for us outnumber all of the grains of sand. And then yet, David said, he said that before I had lived one day, you had wrote every day of my life in your book. So what does that mean? God has a plan for us. And we don't always see... The bigger picture we don't always see what God's doing we don't always see how God's working but here's what God promised us is that I that my plans for you are for good to prosper you they're not to harm you but yet what we see what God's doing we don't see it as fair we don't see it as just 
But who are we to call what is fair and fair and what is just? Just. When God is the God of fairness, when He's the God of justness, He's the God of justice. And we get so caught up at not seeing one piece of the puzzle at a time because we, we've got pieces that we're trying to fit into places and where they're not supposed to be at. The color code don't match up on them. The pattern don't quite work the way that you think that it should be working. But but what do we do? We, we keep trying. And we keep referring to what? The picture on the box, right? We keep referring to the picture on the box. We keep referring to the picture on the box. So if we're not referring to the picture, then what? Then we're doing it the way we want to do it, right? Because that picture on the box tells us where every piece is supposed to go. We just don't understand it. But we got to keep trying. And we got to keep referring to the picture on the box. So what I'm telling you here, ladies and gentlemen, I think you already see the justness of that is that we got to be referring to God's Word and why we are going through certain seasons of why we're going through certain seasons. We got to understand the refining process. We got to understand the times when we're on the mountains and then the times when we're in the valleys. The times where we got plenty of money and the times that we don't have plenty of money. Because the reality is this. If God doesn't do anything else for us, does that make Him any less good? Does that change who He is? So then why do we allow our circumstances to dictate that? Because why? The tree tells us, the fruit, from, the fruit on the tree tells us what the heart of the tree is. It tells us that as God is calling us, He has destined us for greatness. But it is His, but it is His greatness that He is calling us to. God is calling us. He has destined us for greatness. But it is His greatness that He's calling us to. And in closing today, in closing, I think I've been, I think I've been fair enough on my time today. In closing today, as we look closely into Scripture, we can see that the fulfillment of the Promised Land was a cycle of 600 years. And the promise of kings, because did we not read the second thing that the Lord spoke to him? He said, not only great nations, but you will have kings coming from your lineage as well. This would be a part of your legacy. So the promise of kings in the Promised Land was around a thousand years. How many of us would give up hope? How many of us would give up hope? That Lord, you know what Lord, you promised this to me five years ago. You promised this to me last week, but I'm not seeing anything taking place here. But God said, I esteem, I esteem what? I esteem my word above my name. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away before one period or exclamation point disappears from my word. It's, it's, it, that's how important God's word is to him. The word that he speaks is so important that even the things that begin and end a, end a sentence is important to him. The very things that change a subject is important to him. But yet we become so distracted by 
God, you haven't done this in my life yet. God, you've not brought the people in for a church yet. You've not, you've not, you've not saved my household like you promised. But what does God's word say? What does God's word say? God's plan is so intricate that we often miss all the pieces that make up the bigger picture. I'm going to say that again. God's plan is so intricate that we often miss all the pieces that make up the bigger picture. We must focus on the task at hand knowing that God's Word shall come to fruition. God makes mention in His Word that He esteems His Word above His name. And His name is who He is. He is I Am. And, the, and trust in the process is letting His perfect will be done in realness of seeing the bigger picture. Believing what God says that He's going to do is the realness of who He is to us. Because if, if I move by what my eyes see, then I don't have faith. Faith is what? Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for without the evidence of seeing anything. That's what faith is. And it, and it said that, that Abraham, he was, it was counted to him as righteousness because he believed what God said to him. Are we believing what God has said to us? Are we believing about all the things that God has been speaking to us? And I want to give you the fairness of, of this. So oftentimes, God will show us a picture and He will show us the position of our calling and He will show us the beginning. He will show us the end. But oftentimes, it's all of that middle part that we begin to miss. And we'll talk about that when we get into a later part of this message called Creating the Borders. Creating the Borders because what do you do, usually do first in a puzzle is you create the borders because that's the easy part. And it's getting all the easy parts in our life together so that everything on the inside can fill in like it's supposed to. Let us close in prayer today. You may be sitting here today and you may be wondering why is everything happening the way that it is? But ladies and gentlemen, I just, I, I've got great news for you today. Is that nothing that has happened to us has caught God by surprise. As, as we saw that David said that before I had lived one day, every day of my life was written the question that we have to ask ourselves is are we living the life that he wrote about us or are we writing our own plan does our plan look like God's plan and if our plan is not looking like God's plan then we're then we will not have what God has set for us in the future for the right now we're not going to have what God has for us because our plan doesn't look like his plan my encouragement to you today would be to to dismiss your plans to totally dismiss your plans altogether and seek what God wants for you because what he wants for you is going to prosper you and it's going to be good and it's never for harm it's always to bring you closer to him. So in prayer today, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, to, for the words that you have spoken to us, Lord, over our life. Lord, how you have 
created the atmosphere, Lord, for us to sit back, Lord, and to, to focus on the bigger things that are at hand, Lord. To focus on the very things that You have called us to. To focus, Lord, on the very area and the arena of life, Lord, that You've called us to. Lord, we repent, Lord, at this time, Lord, that we've made plans and that our plans oftentimes seem to be so ordinary and simple, Lord, just like Abram had. But yet, Lord, You have a plan that is extraordinary. Lord, that You've called us to so much more, Lord, than what we see here, Lord. And we're not here today by mistake, Lord. Those that are listening or watching us today are not here by mistake. But it was an appointed time for such a time as this, Lord, that You've called us to, Father. A time and a position, Lord. You could have chose for us to be created at any other point in time, Lord, Throughout, throughout the, the creation of the world, we could have been born any other time, but Lord, You chose right now for us to be here. Lord, so there's a purpose in Your purpose. Lord, and we want to line up with the very things, Lord, that You've called us to, because what You've called us to, Lord, is to build Your kingdom, to edify Your kingdom. Lord, and as we even look through that, Lord, we see the lineage of where you were created from, from the lineage of David. And David, his lineage came all the way back from Abraham as well, Lord. That it, that it just, Lord, that there's so many things, Lord, that you have spoken that is still coming to fruition, Lord, right now. Lord, that you have a plan. Lord, we ask, Lord, today as we sit here, Lord, to make your plan, Lord, obvious to us. Make Your plan obvious to us, Lord, so that we can see, Lord, what it is that Your heart desire is. Lord, bless the remainder of our time, Lord. Bless us, Lord, as we fellowship and break bread today. But, Lord, keep us safely. Keep us reminded of Your Word. Keep us reminded, Lord, Lord, that Your plans are good. So, Lord, we just thank You. We praise You. We glorify You. And we honor You. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.